remix. All right. That was Phil Rafalco beatboxing on my par- podcast. Welcome to the Marxism Podcast, everyone. My name is Mark Jer, and you might remember Phil Rafalco from a previous episode we did about Israel. And we had some sound issues that uh, in that particular episode, and I've always felt like I need to pay him back for that atrocious sound quality. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, but t- and today we uh, we are going to talk about a mashup of different sorts of things. So. Um, part of my series on this podcast is why fill in the blank sucks. And I think we're going to do uh, why Halloween sucks since it was only uh, two days ago because I've always had issues with Halloween and I'm sure other people have too. For the record, I'm eating late Halloween candy right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get there. And uh, <laughs> we'll also be talking about what's coming up next week, which is the ever so crucial midterm elections and perhaps so much more so phil welcome back to the show great to be back awesome so halloween i've always had issues with it stopped going out trick-or-treating when i was about eight years old really yeah that's young and i just felt that it would the effort going into thinking of a costume to making a costume or buying a costume and then going out and I, I think it's also a public health thing. I mean, candy, sugar, okay. diabetes contributing mm-hmm. to the ever so... Dental atrocities have that, been committed because so of So we got Halloween. dental issues. We've got diabetes. We've got, I mean, contributing to obesity probably. And overall, I just don't think that's a good part of Halloween. And I bet you anything crime is actually higher on the... On the eve of halloween then so that reminds me of a funny story yeah when i was 13 i think ninth grade my birthday's in november so okay late baby um i went as a bouncer a club bouncer so i wore a black leather jacket black pants i had a black toque on and i had like the black earpiece going into my ear black shades everything black Mm -hmm. right i'm walking around with some of my friends on halloween getting candy when a police officer stops us and the first thing the police officer asks staring right at me pulling his window down is like how old are you are you 20 you shouldn't be out here yeah yeah so i guess they are extra vigilant yeah that creeped me out yeah like halloween usually the spooky aspect of halloween is kind of a joke but that legit creeped me out an actual cop who knows he might have been dressed up as a cop and (laughs) painted his car that with those colors props for the effort you i remember reading an article last year regarding halloween and apparently in the province of new brunswick they made it illegal and i don't know how they were able to enforce this for anyone who is 16 or older to go out trick-or-treating and i thought yes new brunswick (laughs) that is a great law and personally if i was in charge of creating that law or a part of it i would say lower the age personally but you know i remember when i was quite young i moved we moved into a new house it was like early 90s, late... Uh, no, sorry. What am I saying? I was born in the early 90s. Late 90s or early mm-hmm. 2000s. And for, first Halloween at this house, and we had pumpkins thrown at our front door. So vandalism and... Uh, well, I don't know. What would that be? That's like, like a crime. That's, yeah. that, that's not the right word I'm looking for. I mean... Destruction of property? Who knows? So would you or say... Or attempted destruction of property. 
Would you say that your experience of Halloween has jaded your outlook on the event as a whole? No, that added to it. Uh, but in the be- like from day one, just hated dressing up. Such mm-hmm. a pain in the ass. And I do it every year. You do it? I do it every year, even if I don't have plans for Halloween. I, I don't know why. Yeah, I like minimalistic costumes, and that's what I oh, did yeah. when I was in university. I went as a lumberjack this year. I literally took my karate white belt, and I strapped it around my shoulders, tucked it into my pants, called it overalls, because I didn't have overalls. Okay. And I wore it on top of the flannel that I normally wear anyways. <laughs> All right. <laughs> minimalistic costume, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had a few definitely play-on-words type of costumes in the day. And I just did that to sort of fit in. Yeah, but, that's fair. Uh, overall, yeah, public health issue. And I think it is, it's, it's a breeding ground for more crime to take place. Don't care how much fun you're having. That's my opinion on, on Halloween. People have even lost their jobs because of Halloween. Dressing well, yeah. up in offensive costumes and stuff. Well, I mean, if you dress up as an SS officer, you're probably asking for trouble. Well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You're Especially definitely for... in 2018 when people have started to do that unironically. What do you mean? Dressing up. Uh, it's like just a comment on like literal neo-Nazis. Aha, uh-huh, gotcha. far right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the, the other thing too, it's you know, no, one, no one in this very politically correct culture or this, uh, I got it, yeah, phase we're going through in society. Uh, people don't know what parameters are uh, uh, they have for ex- uh, having, for allowing certain costumes to, That's to true. be allowed to be worn. Where's where where are the lines? I don't know. You could argue that another reason Halloween sucks is because it brings out people's tendency to want to regulate other people's behaviors. Interesting when point. They see a behavior they don't like, a costume they don't like, uh, candy they don't like, or something. I don't know something trivial. Right. Oh, this child is going to that house. I don't like the people that live at that house. Right. Well, I had the idea of this year, you know, and I know other people who've gone as this for Halloween. So since we're both bearded men, uh, I was thinking, huh, you know, I c- if I really was invited to a Halloween party, which I wasn't, um, I, I could. It's okay. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not too hurt. Uh, and so... If I were to go to a Halloween party this year, I was like, huh, so you know, I, I could maybe pull off Fidel Castro. <laughs> but then when you think, but, and, but people see him as this revolutionary, the guy who stood exactly. up to the big bully of America and exported socialist ideals around the world. He also killed a lot of people and threw a lot of people in certain political jails. and. Mm-hmm. It's like probably not, you know, great to yeah. uh, to do that if you know the meaning behind it, but people take it differently. Yeah, I mean, there are probably more people that understand the problems associated with dressing up as a Nazi compared to Fidel Castro. Exactly. So that might not be as bad, but... I think it would still turn a few too many heads. Yeah, especially if you're a, uh, someone from Cuba who fled Cuba during that time mm-hmm. or whose family did. They'd look at you and go, do you have any idea what he did and <laughs> made hundreds of thousands of people flee that country? So, mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many factors to take into account. Yeah. Halloween does complicate things. 
I think it does. I overall think it's not good. And I think the popularity is declining, though. I think there's fewer and fewer people doing it, fewer yeah. and fewer decorations outside houses. People tell me that every year. I mean, um, at my karate club, my uh, head instructor said that his wife wanted to give out candy, and she bought a bunch of stuff, and only five people came the whole night <laughs> Yeah. in, like, a suburban neighborhood and the yeah. middle of the gta yeah i heard i heard similar things i heard people saying oh we're all ready and then two people came you know what happened my last year i ever went trick-or-treating was 12th grade that was the year of swine flu oh and so my friends and i anticipated rather correctly that there would be very few children out and about mm. and that even though we looked quite older than the crowd that should quote unquote be going out for halloween <laughs> yeah uh, we would capitalize on that and we did right <laughs> we right. got a lot of stuff because no good. one was going around yeah wow so, so whenever there's some sort of sh- like small pandemic that isn't really a pandemic you know yeah you can uh you can take advantage of it yeah well i mean like like you said uh people are going to be afraid of the health concerns people are going to be afraid of the safety concerns the potential crime aspect yeah and that angle can definitely be used to cause fear-mongering. And then people buy all this candy that doesn't get handed out. Mm-hmm. What do you do with it after? I do you eat it yourself? Do you throw it out? I wonder if there's a survey on that. No, because people are so addicted to sugar, it's just like that endorphin hit that they just keep eating and eating and eating candy. Hmm. Yeah. I also think, and you can tell sometimes when you come across those kids who don't really like Halloween like I did when I was younger, mm-hmm. and then there's the parents who are like, ah, oh, come on, this is fun, dress up, this is so adorable, and they're doing it for themselves, and yeah. I don't think that's okay. They're living their desires vicariously through their children. Exactly. And I, th- not acceptable. I think if the children, children intuitively understand a lot of things, even if they can't express it Mm -hmm. if the children are having fun then you know that's fine that's fine that is family bonding but then yeah you're right if the child is being forced to do it and they clearly (laughs) don't want to yeah then that yeah definitely a problematic thing i think so i think so at least yeah so i can i can see your argument for why halloween sucks yeah i just i get a little frustrated with it and especially when you see like people go to work and how like you know if you're allowed to wear what some people wear at certain work environments you should be able to wear that every day <laughs> give me an example uh i don't know uh i'm just saying there are those pictures of people that they that people will take of them wearing certain costumes and going to work and just being like halloween at work all great and that's that's okay that's that's fine but if you can do it one day i think you should kind of be able to do it every day so you're saying that there should be a uniform standard i think so you shouldn't bend the rules significantly just for some silly yeah in a way like for certain institutions yes i definitely think so i think last year i think last year it was justin trudeau he uh he had a Superman outfit underneath him mm-hmm. when he was young, um, on, under his suit. And it's kind of hilarious. It's kind of hilarious a politician does that. Yeah. I just feel, from a world view, a lot of people will think, 
depending where they're from, will probably go, ha, 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 hilarious. Or they'll go, how can we take this guy seriously? Like, seriously? Yeah. And I, I wish I could uh, think differently in that. But there's a part of me that goes, huh, I wonder what Putin would be thinking. If he saw <laughs> that. that was one of my first thoughts. I, I honestly thought, like, Putin wouldn't do that. No, he wouldn't, because in the environment that he's in, that would uh, definitely not fly. Yeah. Even though Superman is a very stoic, strong figure in comic book culture. Right. But it's a symbol of, I don't want to say Western culture, as if Russia is completely detached from that. It's not. No. I wouldn't say so, at least. But it is a symbol of how we interpret it today as like mostly a Hollywood phenomenon rather than the original comic book stories. Mm-hmm definitely a symbol of uh the imperial expansion of american culture worldwide right you know, yeah american movies american pop culture everywhere all the time kind of thing definitely i actually wonder is so comics in russia i bet you they have their own version of a superman i have no idea to be honest but i wouldn't doubt it yeah i wouldn't be surprised i uh, speaking of putin and all that so here's a segue midterm elections do you think that there'll be any russian interference in the upcoming midterm elections going by the definitions that have been established in 2016 uh the facebook probes you know the fbi investigations into russian operatives or uh not russian operatives collusion with russian operatives by american citizens going by all those definitions i think it already has okay this has been ongoing yeah russia's hybrid warfare strategy to borrow from i guess our nato days um is to cause as much informational chaos as possible in western countries it's not a form of direct attack. It's just a form of guaranteeing their own security by making sure everyone around them feels insecure as well. Hmm. Interesting. If you think about it through a psychological lens, it's a kind of codependent relationship on the international stage. Yeah. Well, uh, who was it that I think it was I think it was Obama or Clinton basically said a lot of Russians actions recently are not a. A statement of strength but a statement of you know uncertainty and insecurity which is quite possible and that's mm-hmm. probably why they're trying to create this insecure technological environment yeah for sure i mean the cyber aspect is only going to keep getting bigger and this is why i fear that's terrifying i fear ai not to go on a huge tangent that's okay but uh i really fear the potential for abuse oh yeah oh yeah right? People are going to try to control if a technology gets to the point where it functions completely independently from human interaction, people are going to try to regain control over it. Yeah. And that process is not going to be pretty. No. God knows when that might happen. I think it won't be there for a while. Yeah. But I am terrified of AI personally. See, like, there's your real scary stuff instead of your jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Oh. 
That was a backhand to Halloween. Should have been that a was segue. more than a backhand. That was that was like a Thor hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, ghosts and zombies—that's a joke. Have you seen that robot that can run seventy miles an hour no. and, and run upstairs? There's a video that I guess you could say sort of went viral a few weeks ago and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, not cool. I don't want to run in the woods with that running after me, you know. Yeah. Not not down. No, because these science is constantly pushing the limits, right? Yeah. We have the technology to produce things that improve in a much shorter time than we as beings have evolved, right? So Yeah. I think technology should have stopped, like just stopped. When I don't know, man. That's I the think issue. about this too, and I, I can't find the cutoff it's point. It's going to be well. Bill Burr claims in 1995. I think that's way too early. Um, I think uh, it's way too late. But I think he said he said that was a joke. Um, <laughs> sorry. Well, like way too early just to be like 1995. No more. No more after that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't agree with that. There's been some pretty amazing things in the last, in of the course. late 20th century, early 21st century that have been incredibly helpful to humans. Always going to be a double-edged sword. It's going to be a major double-edged sword. So, yeah. But midterm elections. The So, Russian interference, it's always ongoing. It's going to continue. I was reading that... Now, I haven't actually done a lot of research going into the midterm elections, but I imagine... I imagine that there will be some weird surprise happen. There has to be the, at least one. There has to be at least one weird surprise to happen, especially based on the last presidential election. Now, the midterm elections, it's to vote in who's in Congress mm-hmm. and who's in the Senate, right? Yes. So senators in the United States are on a six-year rotation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's exactly a third but some proportion of them are voted in every two years and it's on a rotation. Right. That way you're not, because you would have horrible problems with institutional memory, right? If you had to replace all the senators all at the same time. Yeah. Um, And is it the Senate or is it the, I think it is the Senate where they have two representatives from each state. Yeah. Because the Senate's supposed to be giving every state a voice no matter how big or small. That's what I figured. Yeah. So that's pretty. But Sorry, no. Continue. Yeah, no worries. So if, so right now the Republicans are control the House and the Senate. Yeah. From what I've read, it seems like people are predicting there to be a switch. Democrats are going to take over. I personally don't know about that. I am thinking that in a weird way, the Republicans are going to pull it off, especially what has come out saying that wages have increased for the first time in the States and Mm -hmm. more than a decade i've heard that there's been more jobs or lower unemployment rate for the first time in the last i think decade as well basically since the bounce back from the recession yeah so i think they're just using uh, you know trump's whole thing was jobs 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 and i think they're just going to and they have been in a way just beating that narrative too yeah to the ground and the, but the other thing that's kind of strange about this is you haven't actually heard that much about the midterm elections coming up i think 
not as because much because they're not as much of a spectacle, right? The presidential election is the of spectacle of a lifetime, mm-hmm. right? That's the massive exercise in political theater that everybody wants to participate in. Correct. And so, without those stakes being there, there is again a double-edged sword. But there is, I think, the potentially beneficial aspect of being able to cut to the chase. In much more a clear yeah. fashion. You can cut through the noise. Obviously, there are going to be many narratives put out by the mainstream media, people on social media, international observers. You know, like everyone is going to have their opinion. But at the end of the day, there's just less of that noise, I think. I agree. However, it's, I would say people should be paying more attention to it because if Democrats mm-hmm. do win, there will be that political gridlock the same way right. when the first midterms happened when Obama first got elected, when yeah. it switched from Democrat to Republican, and that clogged up many processes. Well, it's been clogged for a while, man. It sure has, I think, yeah. uh, to use a rather dirty analogy, <laughs> Congress needs some preparation H. Okay. Needs some political preparation H. Yeah. They need something to unclog that. I don't know if it's... I think it's a wider cultural phenomenon. Obama and Trump are very much polar opposites. You know, oh, you have the yeah. the formal, optimistic, kind of progressive, not just in the sense that it's left-leaning, inclusive progressivism, but like very much incremental, still within the liberal framework. You know, it's not radical. Obama's not a radical. No. That's Fox News yeah, yeah. narrative stuff. Yeah. Um, you have Trump, who policy-wise is probably not radical. He actually has surrounded himself very much with neoliberals. Betsy DeVos, like, um, tons of people who they just want privatization. They don't want to... They don't want to drain the swamp in order to make government more efficient. They want to do it so that they can enrich themselves yeah right so even if they have trimmed down government to what end is this going what are the adverse consequences of that yeah you went from yes we can to make america great again right you know so sorry i I had a point before i went off on all this stuff you have these two polar opposite presidents these are the millennial presidents right Mm -hmm. these are the these are the first presidents to be elected when all millennials have had a chance to vote arguably if you ask demographers you know some millennials born in the 90s may not have had the chance to vote in 08 for obama's first time but they were already getting engaged in that they were keen on what's going on they were looking forward to it so they're kind of on that bandwagon and these i think that demographic trend might along with the technological trend of changing technology, social media, everyone having an opinion that's constantly bombarding you on your newsfeed. Like I said, the Russia thing earlier just adds to the noise, adds the disinformation. There's just so much stimulation that I think we are almost helpless. We are being driven to these polar extremes because we can't make sense of the noise. Yeah, that's definitely possible. What's interesting is I've also read with these upcoming midterm elections, they're expecting a pretty large turnout, especially amongst young people. One would hope. One would hope, yeah. What's 
and and I guess that's where a lot of people are saying the Democrats will probably win is because of young people and they're assuming that most young people are Democrat. Yeah. Which is possible. It's hard to tell. It is hard to tell because I imagine there's also a fair amount of young people who do like Trump. For sure. I mean, I've met a, a few here in this country, you know. In Canada, yeah. So. I mean, Trump represents being unhinged. Again, the exact <laughs> opposite of it's not even a political position. It's just an ethos, right? He represents the ethos of doing what you want, taking what you want. You know, you care about your family first, your community first, screw the rest, you know. My nation is what I want it to be, not what we all think it should be collectively. Right. Kind of, it appeals to this rebelliousness almost that I think is natural for youth, especially in a climate of what you were saying earlier, massive cloggage, gridlock yeah. in Congress. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely, uh, and I don't even think it's, uh, it's just, you couldn't have gotten more polar opposite personalities in general, not even from a political point, but they're from deep in their core. They're just so different. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess you could see Trump as being rebellious. I, it's weird. You don't really visually, you wouldn't really say, say that Yeah, just because his presentation as be as like you know yeah. wearing a suit and 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 being that way but it's not like um, he's not rebellious in a in a sense he's very much the epitome of the system yeah he is the patriarchy literally like grab the pussy like he is the he's the man mm -hmm. you know when the hippies went to protest the man he is the man yeah he's the merger of capitalism and political power in washington mm -hmm. but but the the ethos that he exudes you know that me first yeah the way he does things the way he talks i've heard a lot of people say you yeah. know that the migrant caravan is going to bring a lot of dangerous folks i'm sure he didn't say it in exactly those words but that ethos appeals to people who already have that rebellious spirit and who are sick of the gridlock yeah. and who want to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And their energy is being channeled sometimes in very unhealthy ways when they march with tiki torches in Charlottesville, for example. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, one of the... To be honest, I'm actually surprised that it didn't end up worse in a way. To be honest, yeah, so was I. I mean, I, obviously, I there was a lot that went down there, but... Yeah. Because it doesn't really take a lot of people to cause issues. Unfortunately, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. And I don't know what the figure of uh, white supremacists were in that march, but there was there's a fair amount from the footage, and I'm mm -hmm. just surprised not more happened. Actually, like if for people who said they were as angry as they were. Right. Just I think there's still a bit of inhibition left on every side. People aren't ready for full war yet. Yeah, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah, and I, th yeah, I don't think, thankfully is right. I don't think I don't think people are. Maybe good. some people want to be ready for war. You know what I think? But they're is, waiting for someone else to fire the first shot. I don't think either side is ready for war, partially because they have no idea what war is like, and probably a lot of them haven't really experienced it. But if you were to talk to people who are in the military, well, they'd just be like, nah, you don't. Let me play devil's advocate, and this is something that is somewhat scary. 
the far right has the disproportionately large majority of ex-military, ex-police, ex-security people. Really? Yeah. But the far right? The far right, as, as opposed to the left. Okay. And I, when, I mean the left... See, I make a distinction because it's the far right that marched. You didn't see anyone identifying as a conservative. No. Yeah. I mean, they identify as a conservative broad umbrella. They don't identify as the, like, you know, I go to church on Sunday, I pay my taxes, I just want to be a responsible citizen kind of conservative. Sure. At the Unite the Right rally. You don't right. have those types there. Perhaps but the, the anti-Unite the Right does bring a much broader center and left. It's not just like Antifa. Right, so right. it's it's a larger. Scope. I think it's a larger coalition because there's a lot of people that feel threatened by. Now, now I'm not a statistical quantitative scholar, so obviously take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But from the news reports that I've seen, from the independent observations that I've seen, there's actually quite a bit of people that uh, on YouTube that have dissected uh, the footage and the analyses and the social media feeds that went off after that event to a very large degree and they looked at the self-identification of these two groups many more people self-identify with a militaristic ethos on the right yeah probably so maybe even if the numbers aren't necessarily disproportionately huge you get people who talk about arming themselves they talk about the second amendment they talk about starting conflict fighting for their rights fighting for their freedom in a much more overt way when when the left coalition talks about fighting for their rights it's always mass movements you know yeah. bodies in the streets I, when i say bodies i mean physical presence not, not people dying lying down yeah. yeah yeah i uh i believe that yes but i think there also should be a distinction between military and all out war Mm -hmm. which is what I would assume what you're saying is a lot of the far right wanting to start. But I would say in far left and that business like Antifa or anything or stuff like that, I would say they're more about the idea of just kind of crushing the system. I don't really, they don't really talk about war as much as just things need to change, crush the system. And I'm not justifying either, uh, far left or far right's actions definitely oppose both but uh and and i actually would argue that both are just as bad because if you try to if you try to get rid of the system well what's gonna be enforcing anything and then all-out war is just anarchy yeah i mean anarchy is misunderstood because anarchy is not anarchy is the lack of hierarchy as a political philosophy, it's not chaos. Hmm. It's it's the complete emancipation of people from institutions that impose hierarchy arbitrarily. So, would so you say, it's all about horizontal relationships. Yeah, right. So would you say then if Antifa, Antifa I don't know what you call them anyways. I, neither do I. Yeah, <laughs> come up with a better name. Um, I mean, it's a German name. They it, started in the 30s. Huh. Yeah, they clearly did not win, but... I was going to say it, but probably didn't go well. Um, but they... if Because they, they seem, to me at least, more about wanting to crush the system. 
Well, they are... So they're technically more anarchic. They're defensive, though. There's the thing. The right is always on the offense. This happened as well. I don't Not... know about that, man. This happened... Okay, so if you look at the rise of fascism in the 1920s in Italy, it was very much about a mass movement to take the culture, the society, the political institutions by storm. This is why you literally call people in the SS stormtroopers. They want to get things done, right? They mobilize quick. They arm quick. They suppress opposition quickly. Um, and the, the left coalition is not marching on the streets daily. You know, maybe you could say that uh, Occupy was to some extent. That's a much broader conversation, I think. Yeah. But uh, they're not marching in the streets daily in order to uproot the system. When they march, it's usually counter to the far right marching. I don't uh, think the far left has a, a stable... It's not as powerful right now, in my opinion. It's not. They're not. I don't think they're as organized as the right, historically speaking, or today. That's why I call it the left coalition, because it's not just radicals. You get liberals, progressives, you get anyone who's just bothered... And wants to do something about yeah. the far right marching. And I feel like if you get those people together, they also can't agree with each other. No, they can't. So. That's why it's a it's a defensive alliance. Yeah. In order to prevent the the far right, who you know some people would call fascists, I would not disagree. But at the same time, I don't want to just throw that word around constantly so that yeah. it loses its meaning. It's a defensive alliance in order to prevent that movement from just taking over and the rest of society being complicit in that occurring yeah but they're also i would also in some way say and in some instances this has been the case where if they're opposing something like free speech which isn't a far right idea that is considered it is considered far right to many people who might be on the left coalition what do you mean if you're I mean, the whole thing with Jordan Peterson at U of T, for instance, like people were saying like they were like megaphones and stuff and interrupting people talking mm -hmm. because they didn't believe in free speech. Yeah, that's a tactic used by left leaning activists as well. Right. Yeah. Shut but down opposition. That's why it just creates problems when you have a culture of people shutting each other down. But at the same time, historically, that kind of tactic has been used in order to prevent people who want to mobilize beyond the level of speech from doing that right because one thing to say hate speech the thing the reason hate speech is condemned is not for the content of the speech but for the implications it has in rousing people and mobilizing them to action i think that is something yeah. that is not discussed that's a frame that people don't take people are so busy Focusing on the words that are said, the, the specifics, the definitions of the words, and not what those words mean subjectively to people. How those words might inflame someone who's already sensitive and perhaps anti-immigrant or, I don't know, just a bored person who likes online trolling and suddenly they're eating up 4chan and radicalizing. Yeah, it's, that, yeah, it's a beyond tough topic, I find. Yeah, maybe we should go back to midterm elections. Perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. Well, someone who helped get Trump into power, Steve Bannon, 
Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's coming for uh, the monk debate, isn't he? He isn't it today? I thought it was November second. It might be today. I don't know. Take a look. I definitely. Uh, it's. It, I was. Hmm. I don't know. Am I surprised by the amount of people who turned up to protest against him? I get. Uh, no, I'm not actually that surprised. One arrest made amid protests outside controversial Steve Bannon, David from debate 50 minutes ago. Huh. Well, let's have CBC. That's CBC. Hmm. The, I, I don't know, man. I just, uh, I feel like if you don't want to see Steve Bannon talk, don't go or don't watch. Right. They're protesting for, I think, the reason that I said. They're afraid that his words will be used not again it's not just what he's saying yeah anyone can say shit but when you give when you give someone with that much influence a platform the the potential for what he's saying to rouse people to action that's what people are afraid of yes and you do raise a good point with that I don't agree with anything, really. That makes sense. I don't <laughs> it's agree, hard to I don't, agree with anything. These I don't days. agree with Steve Bannon. I I don't like him. I I mean, he's he was had a Breitbart, right? Yeah, he yeah. was. Okay, he, or was. I, I don't I don't agree with many of policies, and even when he tries to defend Trump, even being out of yeah. his administration, I just I just look at him and I'm like, eh, whatever. But I would say, like, I don't I don't want to see him talk, so I'm not really going to watch the monk debate whereas i feel like the more you protest you're also giving those people more of a platform in a way that is a valid concern and i think that is it is talked about but i think it's also missed because trump's been the master at that he'll say something outrageous Mm -hmm. and then somebody will no such thing as bad pr right large uh yes if you want to get more viewership and stuff right so it's that's personally just uh my opinion so i actually read a report uh written by a journalist whose name i can't remember it was something phillips whitney phillips i don't remember her name sure she did a report on it's a meta report on journalism and and how people talk about online political discourse and she it did interviews with more than 50 journalists, a bunch of different uh, publications in the U.S. and in other places. And mm, one of the biggest patterns that came up in her conversation was the fact that people are giving a platform to extremist views just by talking about them. Yeah. Because the reporter's incentive or impetus is to cover the story to make people aware that there's a problem. So what is the problem? People are getting radicalized. But by talking about that radicalization, people who are susceptible to it are going to find out about it when maybe otherwise they would not have. Yeah, and the other thing with that is when you have people who are protesting, as an example, Trump, Steve Bannon, all those guys, you are also fueling the people who already initially supported them, which is creating a greater divide. It and, is. and it's going to cause more issues for you not to be able to compromise on certain things and not be able to 
have a rational discussion about the issues. That's why that's why earlier I talked about the noise, right? That's why people are getting polarized. It's just the noise. There's yeah. so much stimulus. Yeah. So many ideas, so much talking. It's pretty nonstop. Yeah. So midterm elections. Um, yeah. <laughs> I had a random other thought. Well, not random. A thing I wanted to say originally. Okay. Um, I believe there are also local election elections, gubernatorial elections, hmm. state level elections on election day this November. And those are things to watch out for as well. Because, you know, state levels where you get people starting their political career, rising stars, people that might become president one day, people to watch for. It's a lot of weird candidates. You know, you, you're having, I think it was in California, don't quote me, but I did read articles from a few different sources, uh, both Democracy Now!, which is known to be a fairly left-leaning outlet on social media, but also more centrist and even conservative outlets talking about literal Nazis running for office. Um, and on the other side, you're getting, you know, more of the Bernie Sanders stuff. You're getting more people who self-identify as socialists running under the Democratic ticket mm -hmm. in these local elections where you don't have as much of the noise. And so you can probably get away with it. Right. That's pretty terrifying. Yeah. I mean, it's like U.S. is going through... <laughs> Like wars that not wars going through similar political situations as Europe did in uh, like 30s, 40s, all that, which is kind of insane. Uh, and yeah, it was interesting. You know when you know when John McCain died, right? Yeah. And they were showing all that footage. I was act. I I think he is an interesting cat. That one, and he was like one of the few dudes who had. He 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 acted in what he thought was right or wrong, and he would go against the Republicans here and there. He did to stick time. to his guns, even if you guns. don't. Even if, I'm sure many people thought he was repulsive. Yeah. Um, warmonger, anti women's rights. Yeah, people definitely think that. And um, but he did stick to his guns in a time when. You know, people just cave to party loyalty. That's what the yeah. past few decades have been. Yeah, and what was interesting, so they were showing old footage and best John McCain moments, and I think this was on, I think it was on CNN actually, and there was this woman in a crowd who stands up and she's talking about Obama and she says that he's an Arab, and he immediately grabs the microphone away and he's like, no, 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 no he he's not, he's not. Uh, thank you for the question, but. Uh, he's just uh, a good family man who we happen to disagree on some fundamental issues. Man, and that wasn't even that long ago. And I think those days are... They're dying. They're almost dead, I would say. <laughs> there's definitely... Where's the overlap? Like, There's no civility anymore. No. There. Then again, American political culture has never been as much about civility as like Canada or Britain. Or, you know. It hasn't as much, but I would... For sure, say that I don't know. I can't. I who who's who's another politician who would go against their party from time to time? I can't really think of anyone other than John McCain. And I also don't probably know as much about American politics. Well, to comment. Lyndon B. Johnson surprised a lot of Democratic voters. This is what started the Southern strategy. This was how the South became red territory. 
because the Democratic Party was originally the poor white man's party. That's and right, in yeah. the South, they were the party of Jim Crow yeah. in some states. I yeah. mean, there's exceptions, but he surprised a lot of people by signing the Civil Rights Act. Yeah. So he, he with the stroke of a pen changed what it meant to be a Democrat. I mean, obviously those changes were happening on a micro level over time, but to being the more like liberal elitist type of party, right? Something like that more. I mean the, the, the inclusive strain that is now kind of associated with the Democrats specifically, as opposed to the Republicans came from that, right? Mm -hmm. That wasn't there before. Yeah. Uh, the the Democratic Party wasn't necessarily about enfranchisement beyond just, I guess, the rights of the, you can't say peasant, but, you know, like I said, the poor white man's party. Right. The Dixies. There, that, that Southern heritage feeling was associated with the Dixies. There was a, uh, the Dixiecrats, a nickname for Southern Democrats who were like, by today's standards, extremely racist. But they also supported policies which would be considered progressive and welfare, right? So you had this weird culture that existed. A very complex group of people. So, I mean, that is an example of someone kind of changing the definition of what it means to be part of, associated with a party. Yeah. It's hard to tell if there are any other good examples. I mean, JFK was just a personality. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he went... He did things that he thought was right. It's true. He signed ex- the executive order to end the Fed. I don't know if it's end the Fed. He was going to do something to the Federal Reserve. Okay. Right? Uh, the The conspiracists are really big on that. They are determined to prove that he was assassinated because he tried to end the Fed. <laughs> okay. Um, because the Federal Reserve is a private institution that's not accountable to the American people, right? So. Sure. You know, I, I never go down conspiracy theory alleys, you know, it's not. I mean, he did do it. That part's not a conspiracy. He no, did yeah, sign I, that executive order. Yeah. But if whether that's the reason he got assassinated. Right. I think and caught, it was controversial. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can go on forever. I don't know. That Every president is a little weird. That definitely took many turns. Many turns. So midterms. Um, <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. Yeah. Let's say the Democrats win. How much do you think they're going to be pushing the investigation into Trump and Russia and the people who worked in Trump's administration that were accused of money laundering like Paul Manafort and all those all those guys? Do you think they're just going to go hard at him? It's, it's likely. I mean, it depends... I think I don't know the specifics on whether or not like what the role is of both houses of Congress in let's say an impeachment process because I know the House and the Senate have different responsibilities two different houses of course in any bicameral legislature that's a thing supposing the Democrats retake both houses of Congress I think it is definitely likely uh, Robert Mueller at the moment is a chained dog that is <laughs> trying to get off. Right. And uh, there have been a lot of indictments already. 
Sure right? have, yeah. Proven connections, at least financially. You know, no one can prove that this person meant what they said, and no one can prove the true intention of forming a relationship with Russian business interests. But if you follow the money, who do we have that has been... Uh, whoops. Who do we have that has been indicted already? Biggest one, Paul Manafort. Yeah. Right? Paul Manafort, uh, famous for being related with Roger Stone in a uh, huge, like, uh, I don't remember what it's called. You know, lobbyists, like, basically, right? Like, in the, the 80s and 90s, they made their career on basically selling access to Washington, to private interests. Right. right? They made a fortune doing that. Mm-hmm. Like this is This is, if you go from, like, an ideal democracy standpoint and civic engagement and, like, true power to the people, this is corruption. Sure. In a nutshell. I mean, yeah. like... Anything goes now, though, so you never know. But anyways, uh, let's see. Michael Flynn pleaded guilty to making false statements to the FBI. He Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that one, too. Yeah. Actual Russian nationals. Yeah. Um, I well, don't know. He was, he was invited to the Kremlin, Michael Flynn. Exactly. He was one of the first, and uh, I read a book on this, and it was basically that when he was invited there was just this sheer confusion in in the kremlin when this happened thinking like there wouldn't they would not invite an fsb guy to the cia that just wouldn't happen no. or or anyone remotely in that realm of things yeah and basically they the book argued that it was a bribe in a way he did some talk on leadership at the kremlin too right it was, it was very strange yeah yeah I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if I want to know. It was pretty interesting how it was viewed as a bribe. Yeah. It seemed like a strange kind of bribe, but apparently everyone so knew what it So what's the bribe? What's the, what's the transaction there? The transaction, I think, is if you give a talk about leadership, and it's basically, it's basically, um, how do I put it? Saying, look how welcome we are. Look how, like, you're allowed in the Kremlin. We have nothing to hide. Uh, it's kind of like buttering them up in a way. Right. And so then, it's not a monetary transaction. It's not monetary. It wasn't a monetary one. That's not, I don't think that's what the uh, book was talking about. It was called okay. collusion. Yeah, it was more of just a way to kind of wiggle themselves into some sort of, to find out some Ameri- uh, knowledge about America. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. We have... Trump aides who were with him from the start on his campaign, right? People who funded his campaign, people who ran his campaign, top level people in his campaign as well. His lawyer, Michael Cohen. Yeah. Um, he was the one who was talking about setting up that payment system to pay off uh, Stormy Daniels, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Man, the amount of people who have written books off this whole thing in the last two years. Oh, it's an industry. I was in Indigo a few days ago looking for <laughs> just a nice book. It was every, half of the books that, that were on, on, on new releases and yeah, bigger the hot sellers. topics today. Oh, my God. It was at least 50% of them were just Trump. Trump-related. Right. This is the machine that keeps feeding him. Yeah. It is insane. It's a cycle. It's going to keep going, I think. 
even the people who oppose him, James Comey uh, has a book. Mm-hmm. Even the people who were on his side, Steve Bannon. Yeah. Unbelievable. But yeah, going back to the original question, this is definitely, if the Democrats win, this is their chance to spite him. If the Democrats are successfully able to channel the disgust that many people feel when Trump supporters yell, lock her up, when Trump supporters want to build the wall, when Trump supporters get angry and they go off on people. This, though, also might feed his narrative. And this is where I am sometimes hesitant when people protest because it gives other people a platform. It's like when a a rock star dies and right when they die, their sales skyrocket. And you're like, why is that? That's a weird social. Everybody uh, feels this emotional connection to someone that they didn't before. Every time. Every time. I think everybody wants to feel like they're part of something, right? Yeah. They want to feel like part of the zeitgeist. It's, It's quite possible. So I feel like if the Democrats just release all hell on on trump and everything that he will you look how unfair they are to me look at this this is disgusting it's exactly what i said definitely will and and then and then people are gonna kind of do the same uh same thing with the locker up and and they'll come up with some new slogan yeah he's he's probably already planning ahead just i don't think he plans this shit I think this is pure intuition for him. I he just, think he he feeds off attention. He's an he, ego machine. Oh, he's a narcissist, no doubt. But I, what I'm saying is I actually think he does plan this. I don't think he's a smart person, but I do think he's clever when it comes to okay. this sort of stuff. And I also think he has a team that Yeah, that's also, true. He has a large team. Yeah, that also is like, uh, all right, this is what we're going to get prepared for for this, this, and this situation. And then he kind of just goes through it. It really depends if I think if the Democrats are able to mobilize people and keep those interested people. Let's say voter turnout increases significantly. The Democrats retake both houses of Congress. Correct. Okay. Um, if, yeah. Yeah. And you get lots of young people. You get lots of first-time voters. You get lots of immigrants. Mm-hmm. You get lots of people who are threatened by the policies that Trump wants to put in because it will mean their families are separated either by a wall or by the end of DACA or by deportations, by who knows what else, um, by the catastrophic situation in Puerto Rico that, by the way, has still yet <laughs> yeah. to be fixed. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, I don't know whatever happened with Elon Musk offering <laughs> to rebuild their power grid. I feel like that was boasting. Oh, man. <laughs> um But anyways, if they're able to mobilize these people and keep them, that's what's going to be important. Not only get those votes out, but keep them, build a movement off of them, because Trump built a movement off of his personality. He still holds campaign rallies. I know. How insane is that? I know. (laughs) It's so wild. But that's that's what he cares about. He cares about staying in power. So in order to do that, he's going to try to speak to as many people as he can. I hate the Hitler comparisons, but literally the same thing happened. I will not make that Hitler comparison. uh, But I would say it's very uncharacteristic for, I think, any president to have ever done that in history and on top of that it's he and that's where i say i think he's planning i think he sees the long game he's trying to figure out a way to keep his voters and i also heard recently on a talk show 
that he says outlandish things. I think it was actually Scaramucci talking about this. The hooch. <laughs> uh, and he was, he was, t- and I actually think he made a good point here, which was uh, he was saying that he says outlandish things just to see how the public reacts right. and to see how many people will vote for him no matter what. Well, he's a salesman, kind of interesting. right? Yeah. He, his product is his brand. His identity is what's for sale, oh, right? Yeah. That's how he built his career yeah. on The Apprentice. That's how he built his career with the Trump name, with well, his real estate, with his merch. Yeah, I wouldn't say he built his career on The Apprentice, but I think he used it as a tool to He uh, built his public career it. that way. Yeah. He didn't make his money doing that. His money came from the family business. Sure, yeah. Right? His money was already growing by that point, but he, he made a name for himself. He made his brand what he's selling, and he's continuing to operate in that fashion. Mm-hmm. And it works. Yeah, It is proven to work. People eat it up. Right. There's a reason. How many seasons were there of The Apprentice? I have no idea. Right? Yeah. I read an article. I don't remember which publication. This, this was on, like, Vox or, like, one of those more left-leaning publications. That kind of – it's like a self-indictment of – liberal media and the fact that they made trump like you can't blame fox you can't blame sure uh conservatives right for for inflaming yeah the far right to action because they're the ones that made him yeah but that seems to be a a or when i say they're the ones that made him i mean the the liberal media yeah and i think that seems to be a pretty common trend among the left which is when they protest or they talk about as you just use the example of showing all of the apprentice they're actually in a way feeding the machine so then so how yeah. do you how do you ant uh, how do you oppose it without how feeding d- it that's exactly. the question and that's where i say if no one paid attention same thing with the steve bannon thing in toronto if nobody protested it wouldn't feed Steve Bannon or anything associated with Trump. That's just my opinion. I would I would go further than that uh, with the interpretation of no one paying attention. I would organize boycotts instead. Instead of you you need to create negative space, right? You want, instead of putting more bodies out on the streets protesting it, which creates more attention, which then diverts the attention to the thing being protested, right? like Bannon, like Trump, which feeds their ego, which makes them do more talks, more protests, cycle continues. Instead of that positive addition, what you're saying is keep it neutral, just let it happen. But what I'm saying is remove bodies from those talks, get people to conscientiously object by not attending. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I don't, sir, I don't know. Maybe that's what you were saying at the beginning. In a way, I mean, th- if I'm going to go back to the Steve Bannon Monk thing, which is if you don't like him, you don't want to hear what he says, then don't go. A lot of people go because they're curious. Right? I know. And that's the thing. I, I And they're right to be curious. Actually, but There's a part of me that says I would go, but there's also a part of me that says I wouldn't because I feel like I know what he would say. Yeah. And I'm like, I've heard this again, uh, time and time again, but I think... I just think if, if, if you don't give it attention, because that's really what they want, yeah, it won't ignite. I completely agree. I just think if you're worried about 
what I was saying earlier, which is the potential for certain types of speech to mobilize people to action, actions which are then unhealthy against people, other groups of people, and threaten their democratic rights. Yeah, and I, then you need another strategy. Yeah, and that's also true too. As you said, there's definitely some words that can fire people up. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, and it's not just like I said before as well. It's not even the content. It's not the the exact word. It's the personality of the person, the way yeah. they're saying it. You know, their intent, their body language, everything. Their audience. Who are they talking to? Who are they targeting? There's so many factors there, right? There are a lot of factors for sure especially with a country as diverse as America, too. I mean, I heard a breakdown. I think Sam Harris is the one who did it about the average Trump voter. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. It wasn't the, like many people associated as being like the Rust Belt America yeah. or working class, all that stuff. But he kind of he was saying that the average Trump supporter earns 72000 a year which is above the average exactly uh, annual salary uh, they are what was the other thing he said oh yeah um, a lot of them apparently he uh, stole votes from Obama not stole but you get the idea people switched mm-hmm. so you can't just say they were all Republican from the rust belts from the south sort of deal yeah and so when you're speaking to, it's weird if somebody was Democrat let's say somebody who voted for Obama and then voted for Trump I'm sure there were quite a few. Quite a few, people. right? But how did they make that change so fast from that? I don't think it happened overnight. Or I don't think it happened for reasons associated with the particular characteristics or the personalities of those presidents. I don't think they switched to Trump because they hated Hillary. I think they switched to Trump because Trump wanted to surround himself with certain people that would make certain decisions around social policy, cutting welfare, cutting taxes for certain groups of people. I'm not, Yeah. I don't want to make any statements about tax policy at the moment and say something wrong. <laughs> right, but you think it was more policy than anything. Yeah, I mean, if, I don't think, I think people, if you're looking at that average Trump supporter instead of the stereotypical one, yeah. if you're looking at, the one who makes a good chunk of money every year mm-hmm. and the one who's thinking about their mortgage and their car and their kids' education and everything like that, they don't have time for some stupid things Trump spouted. You yeah. know? They just they just want to get to the meat and potatoes. Yeah, there was also a what's the how am I blank documentary, good God, uh, on Netflix about uh they they just talked to all these different types of Trump supporters. Some of them who are like living really poor in like New Mexico, and then some of them who are in upstate New York. And it was it basically just showed the diverse group of people who was able to get to vote for him. It's, it's mathematically impossible that how many like sixty million people that voted for him would all be some uniform category. Yeah, it's not how humans work. No, not at all. <laughs> but. Every, uh, including people in Canada, probably all over, would assume that. Yeah. But that's that's not the best way to, to seriously, yeah. rationally look at it. Exactly. Even if, if you want to do something about Trump, you're not going to do it by feeding the machine and catering to the stereotypes 
and calling all his supporters hillbillies because then they're just going to get inflamed and go to more of his rallies and, like, just they need more to defend themselves against your accusations. Yeah, and in a way, I think one of the big steps and one of the big protests against Trump is going to be these midterms. Yeah. Like, that's probably one of the best ways you can really... Right. Protest. That's what all the media is saying, all that fake news liberal media oh am i taking taking their lines it's a referendum on trump it's not a referendum it's just the way no it's not actually a referendum that's really annoying if they use that word yeah it's frustrating once again words being taken out of context (laughs) so yeah man well we'll see what happens uh i would also i would say uh, halloween sucks Without a doubt. Yeah. And uh, we made some arguments for that. We made some arguments that were completely irrelevant to the good chunk of this conversation. And the midterms, I think, are going to be more impactful than people might think. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of wheels in motion at the moment. Because honestly, I feel like these past two years felt like six with the amount that he's been in the media that's what i'm talking about it's the noise you got to cut through the noise (laughs) this is why people need okay this is why a t-shirt that says the noise and it with a z people people would see you walk down the street and go yeah i know what that guy's about well if your podcast blows up i hope so i hope it does but i don't know i'm not a merch guy not yet not yet at least not yet yeah. i just have to tap the market speaking of markets and yeah. this will be my final point mark ads Ooh, there's a good one there's a reason there's a huge growing market for asmr meditation mindfulness yeah all of this stuff about attaining a transcendental experience you know some people drop acid in order to do it okay i'm not joking you know like this is a real thing there's a whole subculture of people who do this to find enlightenment yeah it's not just recreational right yeah but that's kind of uh the whole point is that there's so much stimulus so many stimuli rather would be more grammatical people need to calm down but it's hard when ego machines are everywhere when everybody wants to say something just like you're saying more protests more coverage of the things people don't like is just going to make those people say more things they don't like it's it's a crazy machine right now Mm -hmm. so everyone thanks for tuning into this very strange and uh a very different direction changing episode and uh follow like rate subscribe do all those things for the marxism podcast and in the meantime we are out of here